Hi, Priscilla McKinney here, Mama Bird and CEO at Little Bird Marketing. I'm so excited to announce, finally, my book is out. Collaboration is the new competition. Why the future of work rewards a cross-pollinating hive mind and how not to get left behind. So what's the book about? (laughs) The impetus was really about a gap that I saw in the business vernacular about how we need to work together to get ahead and have much bigger wins. I think it's super important right now because there is a growing need for collaboration in the business world. And I made this book super practical. In fact, the chapters tell you how many minutes it's going to take for you to get through them. I know you're busy, but these kinds of ideas are going to, I hope, permeate into your thought process and help you get ahead quicker. The first part of the book is about what is the state of affairs in business and why I believe collaboration is really needed. And it also goes on to explain these are the fundamentals that need to happen so you can have collaboration. So once you set yourself up for the win, then It's not always smooth sailing. And I finished the last half of the book giving you seven different anchors that you can use as a practical tool in order to make sure you stay on course. So in a time when business has never been more complicated, this book offers a fresh and, in my opinion, much needed perspective. It moves away from that idea of linear success and instead brings people together to give you a competitive advantage. Visit PriscillaMcKinney.com for more information. You've joined the Digital Transformation Success Podcast. I'm your host, Priscilla McKinney. I consult with leaders around the globe and bring their teams through a digital transformation journey. Realizing digital transformation across an entire organization is key to business success. While the phrase digital transformation is often used, it's not always understood. So we start each episode with my brief working definition. Digital transformation refers to the purposeful integration of digital technology into all areas of a business. It goes beyond technological innovations in that it requires a fundamental mindset shift of how to operate internally and deliver maximum value to customers at scale. When done well, It results in a culture change to an environment where opportunities for digital technology are not missed, but are thoughtfully used to change established practices and processes for greater efficiency, flexibility, and profitability. You'll hear from consultants, trainers, executives, innovators, and thought leaders. We will avoid buzzwords, jargon, and leave behind our egos to help you take that next step toward digital transformation success. Let's dive in. You know how much I love talking about a good ideal client persona, and you are going to be so excited about my guest today because when it comes to digital transformation as it relates to ICPs and more acronyms, B2B and SaaS and all the kinds of acronyms we're going to use today, but we promise we are going to leave behind jargon because this is going to be a conversation about what is going on in businesses and how leaders can really better communicate, get in alignment really for growth. And so that's going to be just the push of this conversation. I have with me today, Dan Sparing. He has over two decades of experience in SaaS, mobile, and omni-channel marketing. He is 
is a thought leader focused on driving faster and more efficient growth for B2B go-to-market teams. And as the founder of Align Software, Dan leads a team that provides cutting-edge revenue intelligence solutions. I love me some revenue intelligence solutions. And he is empowering marketing execution across the customer lifecycle. Dan Sparing, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Priscilla. You come from a long line of people that I know who say I must talk with you. So this is a very good, it bodes well. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Tell me a little bit about Align, and then we're going to get into specifically the thought leadership you have of how you're dealing with some of the challenges that people are faced. But give me the basics of your day-to-day first, just so we can set the stage for this conversation. Sure. And Align Software is focused on automating ideal customer profile analysis to help align go-to-market teams to focus on accounts that renew, expand, and drive inbound demand. So in that, there is a lot to unpack in what you just said. (laughs) That is what is making everybody sweat as they come into the office. So tell me about what those conversations sound like. What challenges are the clients you serve? What are they up against? What are they feeling? What is keeping them up at night? I have so many discussions with typically marketers who find themselves in situations where they're tasked with growing the business, with finding new, for example, segments to target, to grow TAM. And as they go through that process, what they realize is that often their ideal customer profiles, the it's such a laborious and time-consuming exercise, it often doesn't get done on a regular cadence. And then even in situations where clients attempt to do that, what they find is the output of their research, it's not actually scientific or backed with any quantifiable data that would give them insight into statistical significance. And Mm -hmm. so people do the work and then they're still not really confident with the output. So you said this is who you're dealing with every day. What would be their wave the magic wand? What do they want from you? The first piece of how we help is by very quickly, and we're working on automating the analysis and getting it down to hours. But right now, the process takes maybe a week or two, but we connect to their applications that house customer data. And then from there, we look for signals of strong product market fit within sub-segments of their business. And then from there, we can help them better understand areas of strength within the business where they can be very mindful thinking about which new customers they should start to target that will ultimately drive a higher lifetime value. I did want to back up just one minute and unpack something you said. You said TAM, and I am pretty good about getting jargon out of here. So for anybody who's listening and doesn't know, that's a total addressable market. So when we're looking at taking a product to market and we're saying, okay, what's the big side? What's the upside here? Really understanding how big of a need and how big of a market is out there that I can actually be singing my song to. Easy to break that down. So you have so much experience in the B2B SaaS world. Let's start with just some common mistakes. What are companies doing that just is not getting them there? And then we'll give the good stuff later. But what do you see that's just almost driving you crazy? Sure. I, I would say the the number one mistake, and I think it's something like nine out of 10 SaaS companies make and go-to-market teams make this mistake is we optimize our entire go-to-market function on really one thing, which is easy to win or acquire customers. And if we are working in a subscription revenue environment, I'd argue that we should ultimately be optimizing for customers that we know are going to derive value. They're going to renew, they're going to expand and drive inbound. 
And so what often happens is in situations where we look at, for example, the accounts with the highest win rates, those aren't the ones that necessarily stick around. And as a result, we find ourselves in situations where the business isn't growing as anticipated because we may have a churn problem, for example. Mm -hmm. Churn problems are to me, the worst problems and the most hidden. I literally will ask people about marketing plans and they get so excited about that upside, that front sell, but the churn rate will kill you. And I really do work well with companies who know their numbers, but I'm telling you, it's probably nine out of 10 that don't know that number. That's a little bit painful, but let's back up just a little bit. So in terms of software as a service, I hear what you're saying. It's so easy, especially as a salesperson to get excited. We sold it. But yeah. if it's not the right person, we are going to experience that churn. We are wasting valuable resources on the front side, bringing these people in only to have it not be fitting and it not working like for a multitude of different reasons. But it is very hard to get a culture, especially a sales culture that is commission-based off of this idea of let's just sell stuff. Let's just see how much we can sell. So you said that's the common mistake. What do you think some of the remedies are or how do you start dealing with that conversation? How do you start probing a little bit deeper to help clients? I think it starts out by taking a few steps back. Without a doubt, Priscilla, this is a very complex problem with a lot of different dimensions to it. And I share the same goal as every revenue leader, which I want to help grow the organization as fast as possible. And I think that right now we often make the assumption that once we get the booking, yes, we celebrate, and then we just kick the can down the road in terms of figuring out how we're going to retain and grow that customer over time. And as you start to look at the different elements of a go-to-market team, as you think about, for example, finance, which a lot of people wouldn't consider part of go-to-market. But as you think about finance, there's an opportunity for finance to be a much better partner with marketing. And the more that we can bring those two teams together, the more that we can create better quality leads that actually potentially even convert at a higher rate. And through that process, we can feed the sales team better quality leads. And so by no means do we want to slow down that motion of closing deals. We want to speed it up and then also have a lot more expansion happening within the base. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be an either or. I think we can actually close more deals and with better quality customers. That's yeah. really what we're trying to feel. So that sales velocity is one of those elusive things. <laughs> sales and biz dev leaders are looking for that, trying to understand how they can increase that. So in terms of growth, you said to me, hey, we need to back it up a little bit further. Are there conversations you need to back up a little bit further also about velocity of sales or realistic numbers? That's in terms of realistic numbers, in terms of resetting quota. From our perspective, the right answer isn't to, for example, become kind of the police, for example, whether or not be a gating function of whether or not the sales team sells to a particular type of customer. What our vision is, is we want to help the marketing team create better quality leads. And through that process, assuming that there's a sizable TAM or total addressable market on the other side of that segment, by helping the marketing team create, there'll be better quality opportunities for the sales team to close. There will be hand raisers. And so to give you context, over the last couple of years and having probably 200 versions of this discussion, what's become really clear is some companies are actually tracking today the percentage of ICP leads that are created, as well as the percentage of ICP customers that are closed. And what I've seen as in terms of the best practice is 70% of the deals close in particular quarter are with ICP customers. 
And so there's always going to be some hand raisers that are outside of your ICP that potentially should be sold to. I think what is incredibly important as we think about that expansion and retention is when one of these customers, non-ICP customers does have an issue, I'd argue that the leadership team has some responsibility to determine whether or not they should prioritize saving that customer. Because in building features for that one customer, it may prevent the organization from actually solving the bigger market problem that they set out to in the first place. Right. Wow. That's pretty big. But I have to say, I don't envy you in that you are sitting in the spot, it kind of the hot seat in between sales and marketing. (laughs) It's all about getting these two parts of the company to really work together, that absolute alignment, which obviously is where you got the name of the ICP alignment for the company. But as far as that's concerned, we're talking today also, how do we get this success to happen digitally? So what -hmm. are some of the tools that you all are using that are digitally creating this hopefully beautiful coming together of the sales and marketing for this aligned purpose? Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about this show's sponsor. As a business professional, mastering social media is no longer a nice-to-have set of skills, but a fundamental need in order to advance your career and exceed goal. A lot of people are interested in learning social selling techniques for revenue generation, network building, and maybe even to advance their thought leadership. But what is actually needed is a practical and repeatable system to digitally transform whole teams. Teams that commit to creating meaningful digital communities and learn how to leverage social media to turn relationships into sales online far outperform their competitors. And companies that commit to investing in their teams to increase their personal social influence reap the benefit of increased brand awareness and positive upticks in company reputation. Social media is natural. It's cost-effective, and it's an easily leveraged tool at anyone's disposal. What is lacking is an effective and proven system that trains sales, marketing, HR, and executives alike to move from social selling to complete digital transformation and into digital dominance. Our 12-week social selling course is a practical, hands-on experience. It's taken over time specifically to address the needed mindset shifts, the changes in habits and behaviors, and all of this while implementing new skills. You will learn how to network effectively and at scale, build rapport with targeted audiences, expand your influence, and become the go-to authority in your area of expertise. So this is not a quick tips and tricks for LinkedIn success flash in the pan. It's a commitment to changing the way you show up online and experience career-shifting breakthroughs. This is expert instruction in small cohorts with personalized one-on-one coaching. If you're interested, go learn more at littlebirdmarketing.com slash social hyphen influence. So you're touching on a really fascinating topic, Priscilla, in the sense that Today, as you think about that concept of doing the research to eventually get to a state where you have a well-defined ideal customer profile, typically what happens today is that those profiles get shared in the presentation. That's It's often, for example, a, a slide deck. And the go-to-market teams, so product, sales, marketing, CS, 
they'll come together, they'll sit through the presentation, and then we all go back to our silos and we work within our team settings. And there is no way to operationalize those P insights. And so what happens is, although we have that discussion maybe once a year, maybe twice a year, it's really hard to take those insights and actually track our execution and to watch how the business, for example, is now performing based on that research that has been done. And so what we're doing as part of our software platform is we're taking those ICP attributes we're ingesting all of the accounts and accounts can be defined as customers as well as leads. We add those tags or labels to each account type. And then we month over month show, for example, marketing is creating leads that are representative of those ICPs as well as non-ICPs and then how the sales team is closing deals with the target accounts. And so it becomes this new layer within the organization to help both teams work as a unified function. It sounds to me like you're enabling them, but you're also creating this layer, like what you're saying, of accountability. Yes, absolutely. This is what I'm doing, and this is how I'm doing it. Let me ask you a little bit about the tech stack, because you're a software company, and so your software is obviously a part of the tech stack. But in terms of what my audience is listening for in terms of digital transformation success, how do you play well with others? Everybody has a lot of different tech stacks coming into play. So what does that look like on a regular basis for you? What you're describing is absolutely right. So there's a massive number of not only MarTech providers on the sales side, there's obviously lots of different CRMs and revenue intelligence tools. And so foundational to our platform is the ability to connect with each one of those applications. And fortunate for us, there's so many enabling technology. There's a whole category of it that allows us to connect to over 150 MarTech applications, including billing systems. And we ingest that data And then we can start to surface trends for our customers. Awesome. Just as a side note, since we're having a personal conversation, do you have a preferred tech stack? (laughs) And I will point out for my listeners too, MarTech just refers to marketing technology. So when we're talking about a stack, people ask questions, but it can be simple as marketing. I'm using my Google Docs to create a blog and it can be all the way to incredibly complicated marketing automation, HubSpot. We could be using all kinds of qualitative insight platforms and be seen. So there's such a massive spectrum. So it's not just for enterprise people people that they have to be thinking about their marketing technology. But tell me just your personal preference, especially like over the years that you've been in the industry, how do you like sales team? Like when you come in and you have a new client, you're like, oh, goody, they're in my kind of systems. Yeah, I without a doubt have my own personal bias towards particular marketing technology tools. To give you some context into that, I grew up on Salesforce and always turned my nose up at HubSpot until I started using it. (laughs) <laughs> now I love HubSpot. Oh, yeah. And, and so now I have a massive bias towards HubSpot, not only for their CRM, but also for their marketing automation capabilities. And we're a user of HubSpot. And so and that was a really intentional decision on our part. So yeah, I'm probably a HubSpot zealot. I'm also, gosh, there's so many tools that I love Sixth Sense. We have some of our existing customers use Sixth Sense. I love the concept of a six QA I see massive traction within the market and the types of customers that we work with, with that technology. And it's almost, we have a lot of actual deals that are in our pipeline that are dependent on the client finishing a Sixth Sense integration. What we find is clients, once they have Sixth Sense, having a really deep understanding of their best fit customers allows them to drive more value from that platform. 
I don't know. There's others I could be going to as well. Yeah. Sixth Sense is interesting in its specificity to pipeline and revenue generation problems. Like you were a platinum HubSpot shop. And so, of course, I do tell people, though, I don't bleed orange. I try and stay as agnostic and find the solution that's right for the client. I know you would say that, too, but I did put you on the spot with a personal preference. But that's interesting. I don't bump into many people using Sixth Sense. Maybe that's a little bit more because of your experience a lot in SaaS. But it's so intriguing how AI tools have been in play for quite a long time before AI really came into the mainstream awareness. And yet so many sales teams have been working on these frameworks for many years. (laughs) Do you remember like years ago, there was something that came out called Crystal that was like integrating with like kind of the disk profile to LinkedIn and you could put it on top of your LinkedIn. And so it would tell you, hey, you're about ready to call Priscilla. She's a high eye. So talk to her like this, use these phrases. And it's just, it's almost creepy. And they would know that I was an eye just from the way that I post online. Yeah, I think that's pretty amazing. And it's something I heard about it maybe two years ago for the first time. And as an individual seller, I think that's an incredible tool, especially if you're in a situation where you're having a lot of interactions with new people for the first time. It's a great application. I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's get back to what your day to day. So just give me some tactical, practical things my listeners can go away with. How can marketing leaders really learn to better communicate their value, what they're doing to help build the pipeline, and make sure that they're communicating how in alignment they are with the next step. So what kind of advice would you give so that they're having a good conversation between what I said was that real crazy hot seat between the marketing leaders and that go-to-market team? As I've lived this firsthand in terms of just working in a variety of different organizations to now having done like over 200 kind of discovery calls with customers, what's become really clear is that the path for the marketing leader to be the best partner possible with a go-to-market team, believe it or not, my belief is it starts with their relationship with their finance leader. And having talked with a lot of marketing leaders in general, they want to do the opposite, which is to keep the finance team away from their domain. And I think the reason why that's a mistake is that most marketing leaders are entrusted with a very large budget associated with the advertising dollars. And with that budget comes a lot of expectations from the collective organization. And by leaning into that relationship with the finance leader, there's going to be opportunities to peel back the onion a few different layers to better understand which customers are the ones that are really driving that growth. As the marketing leader gets those insights, what will happen is that they'll become empowered to be much more strategic about the types of campaigns they run. And what will eventually come out of that is they will be able to become a better partner with that CRO or sales leader to give them the type of support and air cover they need to hit that quarterly number. As you think about that concept of a go-to-market team, I'd argue right now it's very siloed and we're all working in our own separate domains and applications and tools. And the more that we can tear those walls down and the more that we can come together with a shared understanding of the customer, the more successful we'll ultimately be together. That seems to be really the vision of Align ICP is bringing people together. (laughs) Yeah. 
So what would you say would be when you think about digital transformation success in that go-to-market strategy, what's that like unicorn moment for you that you're really hoping for? Like You walk out of work with a client and you go, ah, that's now that's perfection. So what does that look like in your world? My hope is that when I think about what a line is and who we're building it for, it's people probably like you and me who've been accountable for growing revenue and building organizations and feeling like the go-to-market team wasn't really working as a unified team. In terms of the metrics that we would look at that we hope to influence, these are the ones that we all high-five each other for when we hit them. It probably isn't that, for example, quarterly booking number. It's probably something like our net revenue retention is in the the top 20% for our industry or our LTV to CAC ratio is now has gone from three to six. And so it's our why, it's a super simple why is we want to help revenue leaders be much more successful. And today, the metrics that get used to manage our success as revenue leaders are largely biased by a whole set of metrics that no one's even looking at. Mm-hmm. And so our ability to create Efficient growth engines are largely a function of the strength of our product market fit. And today, no company is measuring that. And there's a great book called The Science of Scaling that goes really deep into this topic. It's written by Mark Roberts, the former CRO of HubSpot. And so by us helping quantify these metrics, we can help revenue teams optimize those metrics, which will lead to that efficient growth. And it will help us build these amazing companies and also better, more successful careers. I love that. And in terms of digital transformation success, that's what we're going for. So I really appreciate your insight, Dan. Thanks so much for joining us. And you can find Dan on LinkedIn. It's Dan Sparing, D-A-N-S-P-E-R-I-N-G. And the company is Align ICP. Any parting words of just go out and do any inspiration for these revenue leaders that are on the front line of the battle? Yeah, I would say it really starts by creating a shared understanding of of who your best fit customers are. And I know there's an element of that is Captain Obvious, but what you'll find on that journey is that as you get into the deep into the analysis, what you'll find is that there's these pockets of strength that you probably weren't aware of. And these pockets of strength could potentially be your next ICP and potentially could fuel your next two, three, four years of growth. And so it doesn't have to be a situation where you just do an experiment with a random segment and then wait 18 months to see what happens. I love it. So as far as revenue is concerned, digital transformation, it really means improving your customer targeting, getting that marketing focused on that customer and getting the sales execution and revenue forecasting completely working together, talking to each other. I love it so much. Thank you for joining us, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. If you like this content, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you downloaded this podcast. It's how people find our show. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.